This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, for more information or to join the conversation, all you have to do is head to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Just head to our Facebook page there now and join the conversation this morning. On the phone with me now is Debbie Morgan. Debbie is an accomplished award-winning actress whose career has spanned more than three decades. Her iconic role as Dr. Angela Hubbard on the daytime drama All My Children won the hearts of millions around the country and solidified her huge fan base, along the way garnering a Daytime Emmy Award for Best Supporting Actress and three more nominations. She's appeared in several films, including The Hurricane, Love and Basketball, and Eve's Bayou, for which she won the Independent Spirit Award and the Chicago Film Critics Association Award for Best Supporting Actress. Now Debbie is stepping into the publishing world with her first book, The Monkey on My Back. It's our pleasure to welcome actress Debbie Morgan to Sunday Morning Magazine. Hello, thank you. Nice to be, uh, be talking with you. Yeah, now, I remember you, let's go way, way back in the day, because I remember you from good times and um, what's happening and all that kind of thing. But the thing about it is, you haven't aged at all. You look exactly the same. Oh, I'm in love. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Such a timeless beauty. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So very quickly, what were those early years in Hollywood? What were they like for you? And how, I mean, you had to be in your teens when you started. Yeah, when I first started acting, I was about 16 years old. And, um, you know, coming from the the environment that I grew up in, uh, you know, just the the idea, the even thought of uh, ending up being on television was something I would have never uh, imagined. You know, I would have never even aspired to, you know, uh, but I ended up meeting um, someone uh, in the uh, parochial high school I went to who happened to be an off-Broadway producer who did a play at our school and cast me in it, uh, Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream and cast me in the role of Puck and sort of became like a mentor for me. And, uh, you know, so he was the one who helped me get my first agent, uh, you know, my first um, commercial agent, and sort of went from there. And those early years, they were they were very exciting. I mean, I was around a whole different group of people that I had grown up with in the uh, projects of the Tough South Bronx. And I was taking acting classes down in the West Village, which was, uh, you know, very bohemian and very, you know, artsy at at that time. And uh, it was a new world for me, and it was really, really exciting. All right. Now, I have to talk about all my children because I grew up in age. My grandmother, for the summer, she had to watch her stories. And, of course, all my children was... call them to my stories. She had to call them my stories, and she had to watch all my children. So I knew all about you. And uh, that was a funny story in the book. You talk about you thought that you actually conceived the idea for Jesse to have a girlfriend. And you said the thing about it is is that you almost missed out on a part. Is that right? Tell me about that. What happened? Well, no, what happened was I, I had been a, a fan of all my children. Oh, my God, since, I, you know, when I was in high school. And uh, I ended up moving out to um, uh, California. And, and this came after I did Roots the Next Generations, I, you know, as an avid watcher of all my children. And, and so when they brought the character of Jesse on, you know, I kept watching and watching and watching for them to bring on, you know, a, you know, a teenage girlfriend for me. It never happened. And he was, 
not only so handsome, but such a wonderful actor. And so I called my agent in New York and said, you know, my God, you know, I'm watching all my children. They have this great actor on there. I'm sure eventually they're going to have to have a love interest for him. So my agent said, well, let me call over to the show and do some digging. So my agent called me a couple of days later and said, they're going to fly you to New York to read for the part of Jesse's girlfriend. And like you said, unbeknownst to me, they had been auditioning for this character for like the last two months. And so I guess it was, you know, definitely in God's plan that I got that part because had I not made that call, it never would have happened, you know, because I was out in L.A. and, you know, my New York agents probably didn't even think about it. Mm -hmm. And so um, the funny thing about that, though, is that when I got there, there was this uh, real, real pretty girl standing down at the end of the corridor, and I remember the casting agent said, saying, oh, that's, you, we've seen a dozen girls, but that's your uh, competition, you know, between, between the two of you. And I looked at her, and I thought, oh, my God, she's gorgeous. Oh, I know she's probably going to get the part. And anyway, I end up going into the producer's, executive producer's office. I read with Darnell. And after the uh, audition, I walked out, and the executive producer followed me out. His name was Jorn Winther, and he said, Listen, this was on a Friday. He said, do you think you can fly back on Monday and start uh, filming on Tuesday? And I said, huh? <laughs> and he said, you know, you have the part if you want it. And I was just so elated. And then I saw Darnell standing off down the hall talking to this girl I'd seen earlier. And I was like, Darnell, Darnell, you know, so he walked over, and I said, I got the part. And he said, Oh, uh, well, congratulations. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, he doesn't seem too excited. Anyway, as it turned out, the girl he was talking to happened to be one of his very close friends who ended up being one of my best friends later on, and mm. her name was Casey Lemons, who ended up directing me in Ease Bayou. Wow, look. And so it all came full circle. Now, Angie and Jesse, they probably were one of the most popular soap opera couples ever, how prepared were you for the popularity of those two characters? Oh, not not at all at that time. You know, uh, the way they, they started doing soaps, uh, you know, more, more recently in the last, you know, 10, 12 years or so, you know, they started uh, taping depending on what set you were in. So say all of your scenes took place in, say, like the family's living room, you would tape all those scenes together, and you might be at the studio two or three hours. Well, back in the day... If they would shoot the show in continuity. So if you had a scene, you know, in prologue of the script, and then you were in the last scene of the script, even if it was the same set, I mean, you could literally be there 12, 13 hours a day. And so especially during the wintertime when it got dark early, you have never saw the light of day. So we weren't around a lot of people. We had no idea how popular these characters were. And I remember... One Friday night, uh, Darnell and I got out, and we said, you know, let's go catch a movie. So we went to see this movie, and when we got there, it was the movie had already started, so the theater was dark. So, you know, we were able to find some seats, and after the film was over and the lights come up, uh, we start walking out, and we're talking about where we m- might want to go to eat, and we hear, like, this rumbling going, is that Jesse? Is that <laughs> Angie? Oh, my God, is that Jesse? Is that- I mean, you would have thought we were like Michael and Janet Jackson. <laughs> it was like the whole theater just swarmed upon us, and Darnell was like, run, Debbie, run! <laughs> and he grabbed my head, and we're running down 42nd Street, and we run through this back alley, and then finally we realize, you know, nobody else is chasing us. We're out of breath, and we look at each other, and we're like, oh, sh-. I'll say, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it was the first, that was the first moment that we ever had any realization of how popular we had, be, you know, the characters of Angie and Jesse had become. And in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to actress Debbie Morgan. Many of you remember her from her role on All My Children as Dr. Angela Hubbard. You might remember her from movies like Love and Basketball, Eve's Bayou, and The Hurricane as well. Now let's talk about the book, The Monkey on My Back. Now I understand that it's very personal and you talk about growing up under the shadow of abuse. And you say for you it was generational. You can trace it back to your grandparents, is that right? Yeah, you know, the, the the book is about three generations of women uh, spanning, uh, it spans three generations of women living with domestic uh, violence, uh, beginning with my grandmother and my mother and, and myself. And one of the, the, and the reason I say it like this, this I often call it uh, my the generational curse, uh, sort of my ill-fated legacy, mm-hmm. is because... I learned through therapy that when children grow up in abusive homes, either they, one, become um, uh, abusers, or two, become the abused. And it's not so much that you're consciously looking to invite these sort of relationships into your life, but it's sort of what you know. And I know for me, growing up in in a home where my father was so violent toward my mother, I was always looking for someone to protect me, someone where I felt I didn't have to be afraid of anything because this person was going to protect me, and because I didn't find that with my father, so I was always looking for that image. And so I kept attracting these same uh, relationships, these same abusive, emotionally abusive relationships into my life, and not realizing that the people that I I was looking toward to protect me were the very people that I needed protection from. Mm. Wow, that's deep. Now, so your your mom was abused. Now, as a kid, did you see any of this abuse? Oh, um, my father, there was only twice that I actually witnessed the abuse. My father didn't, you know, beat my mother with, you know, me and my sister standing there. But I remember once I was, um, we lived in like this sort of railroad flat in, in Harlem on Fifth Avenue. And um, the kitchen was right outside my bedroom door, and my father started beating my mother, and I was looking, peeking through the keyhole, and it was something over something so ridiculous. What my mother had made, he had come in drunk, and uh, my mother had made this big pot of spaghetti, and uh, he sat down to eat the spaghetti, and he went to pour some salt on his food, and the top of the salt shaker wasn't on tight, and so all of the salt poured out all over his food. And he, you know, he jumped up and he started screaming. You know, my mother was like, you know, it's okay. There's more spaghetti on the stove. I can make you another plate. And even just in saying that, you know, it pissed my father off that, that, you know, he was like, no, just make me some more spaghetti. And he threw the spaghetti up against the wall and, you know, told her to clean it up. And when she didn't, you know, he grabbed her by her hair and was dragging her across the floor and, it, it, you know, it, it got so violent that, you know, I ended up urinating, peeing on myself. I actually, I ended I wet the bed until I was about eight or nine years old, just because I was always so nervous and always mm. walking around on eggshells, you know, waiting for, you know, the, the other shoe to drop. And um, it was a terrible way to grow up because, you know, I think as children, children should be these free spirits, you know, without a, a care in the world. And I had such a heavy burden being a child. 
you know, always living in, in, in fear of what my father was going to do to my mother, always living in fear that, you know, one day he was going to end up, you know, actually killing her. And uh, what it, it did was it, it set up decades of sort of uh, dictating the choices that I made in my life. And I didn't realize that until I had sort of come full circle through therapy, you know, through writing the book and, um, you know, going through all of those awful experiences. Now, I, you know, I think I read somewhere that you talked about, we talk about this generational thing, but, you know, your grandparents, your grandmother was abused, but then your, your mom, her whole generation, they had a lot, you know, they, like you said, you know, either you go on to be abusers or you go Absolutely. on and be abused. So yeah, that my, mo- my mom, it was nine siblings. It was five girls and four boys, and out of the four boys, three three of my uncles were abusive to their wives, and out of the five girls, four of, including my mother, four of the sisters married abusive men. And again, we're speaking to actress Debbie Morgan about her memoir, The Monkey on My Back, Breaking a Generational Curse. Now, often when children grow up in abusive homes, they have issues with both parents, Um, obviously the abuser for abusing, but then they look to the person that was abused for not getting the family out of the abusive situation. Was that something, Debbie, you ever faced? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And it wasn't until I started writing the book, because before I started writing the book, I had a lot of anger. Um, toward my mother, because as a child, I kept thinking, I kept looking toward her to get us out of that predicament mm-hmm. and to get us someplace safe. And you know, my, my you know my parents came from the south. They moved to New York when I was very young, so there was you know n- none of my mother's family there. So she was always running you know downstairs in the building, hiding in the boiler room, or you know running out in the street trying to get the police who would come up and just tell my father to take a walk. And so, but as a little girl, you know, not knowing, okay, what else can she do? I was so angry at her because I felt she should have been able to keep me safe. And then when I started writing the book, uh, I, I, I read some passages to her one day and she just broke out crying. And I thought it was because she was, you know, reliving a lot of those moments. And she said, do you know it is not until this very minute that I ever thought about the trauma this is inflicting upon you. She said, all I could think of was, how, was, how am I going to get away from this man before he kills me and you and your sister end up growing up without a mother? She said, but I never thought about any of the emotional uh, effects that this would put on you. And I'm sure, like with a lot of parents, that's another reason that I wanted to write the book, not just for myself, but for other parents, mothers, with children growing up in a home like this. I do a one-woman show, which mm-hmm. is based upon the book. And when I first started writing, I had it was not in my mindset at all to do, to do a one-woman show. But I was uh, speaking at this um, organization one evening, and I read uh, an excerpt from the book. And after I came off stage, this woman came up to me, and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, Miss Morgan, I just want you to know that I have two teenage daughters, and they've been watching their father uh, beat me since they were very little. And after listening to you this evening, I'm not keeping them in that house one more day. Mm. And it struck such a chord in me. I thought, you know, it's one thing to write the book and have people sit in the privacy of their homes and read it. 
but it's one thing to be able to connect with them on such a more intimate and personal level because I play like 22 characters um, wow. uh, in the play. You know, I, you know, I play my grandfather, my father, my mother. And, uh, and when that woman said that, I thought, oh, my God, I, I, I have to do the play. And so, you know, now I have, you know, I'm doing both of them. All right. And with that, we're running out of time. Again, the title of the book is The Monkey on My Back. Of course, Debbie Morgan is the author there. Thank you so and I, much. And I just want to say real quick, I know it's a, a heavy subject, and sometimes people think, oh, I don't want to go see something like this and sit in the theater for two hours being sad or reading a book that's so sad. But as you said earlier, believe me, it's a lot of gut-wrenching laughter, too. I, I had to have some kind of balance, and I don't think I'm, I would have been, been able to even get through all of that without finding some humor. And so I just want people to, to recognize that, too, that, you know, you won't be sitting there all depressed through the whole book. There will be a lot of laughter, too. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. It's an honor for me to talk to you. Like I said, I've, I've been watching you since, you know, good times and, and all that kind of stuff. So thank you so much for taking time Absolutely. to talk to me. I, I, I enjoyed it. And you have a good weekend. All right. Thank you. Okay, thank you so thank much. Thank you. We've been speaking to Emmy Award-winning actress Debbie Morgan. Again, the title of the book is The Monkey on My Back, Breaking a Generational Curse. If you'd like more information about the book, you can visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Just visit our Facebook page there for more information. Listen to Sunday Morning Magazine no matter what day it is. Use your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear today.